if you're not willing to push all in on stuff and you're not willing to challenge yourself and push outside of your comfort zone, then that's a very, very limited world. It's hard to become the best version of yourself or the best version of your company if you're not willing to push those boundaries. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Kent Clothier. How you doing, Kent? I'm doing good, brother. How about you? I'm doing well and looking forward to it. And best ever listeners, you know Kent, and one of the reasons why you know him is because you're a loyal listener and back, oh, let's see, episode 440. Wow, that's a lot of days ago. <laughs> this is like episode 1900 or something. So he was on the show, and the title is Live Your Passion by Having the End in Mind. So if you want to hear his best ever advice, then go ahead and check out that episode, episode 440. We're not going to talk about his best ever advice. What we're going to talk about today are the mistakes he's made and what he's learned from them. So we're going to make this a skill set Sunday episode. I imagine there's tons of skills that are coming from the lessons that he's learned. Just a refresher on Kent, and then we'll get into it. He's a founder and CEO of Real Estate Worldwide, was previously part of Memphis Invest, which is a real estate investment firm that has bought and resold more than 5,000 residential properties. So with that being said, Kent, you want to give the best ever listeners just a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. So as you said, I'm the CEO and founder of Real Estate Worldwide. And my family and I started Memphis Invest many, many years ago, which has kind of become one of the premier real estate investment companies out there. It's flipped over 5,000 single family homes and continues to flip 800 to 1,000 properties every year. Real Estate Worldwide is a company that I founded back in 2008 that provides not only real estate education, but real estate tools to the investing community. And then recently, in fact, getting ready to launch, we have been largely focused on our newest project, which is called Cribs, which is a buying and selling platform that we're bringing to the real estate industry at large that we are extremely excited about. It's kind of going to make the entire process a lot easier, a lot more efficient, and ultimately a lot less expensive. So it's kind of what I'm all about. If it's real estate, I'm in it. Well, I want to learn about mistakes and lessons you've learned, but I am curious about Cribs. It's a buying and selling platform. It's going to make the process easier. What exactly is Cribs? Well, you've been doing it as long as I have. The real estate process is extremely cumbersome, especially if you're a direct home seller. Largely, you get into the transaction without completely understanding all the cost, all the time, effort, and energy involved in it. And many times you show up to the closing table and what you think you're going to get versus what you do get is radically different. 
So we set out a couple of years ago, my co-founders and I, to solve that problem, create a situation where a seller could sell a house and sell it basically fee-free and in turn go directly to the most ravenous buyers that are out there, which are cash buyers in the market right now that want to buy. They largely make up over 35% of the market in any market. Most people don't realize that, but 35% of all transactions that are happening in the real estate market today are being done with cash. There's just no good way to get the cash buyers connected to the home sellers in any kind of way and provide real value to both of them. So Cribs does that. Basically, it is a bidding platform where sellers go on and in less than 24 hours, they have multiple cash offers from a variety of different buyers that are sitting in the market and will they can pick and choose. I mean, if you think of like a kayak when you're buying a hotel room or you're buying a plane ticket, it's very similar. You're picking and choosing which cash offer you want to take or none of them and can close in as little as seven to 14 days on a deal, all completely fee-free. And from the buyer standpoint, we're solving a big problem on that side as well. And that the buyers want the inventory. They want to deal directly with the sellers, but it's a very costly proposition for them from a marketing standpoint, from a going out and visiting with motivated sellers, all that kind of stuff. So from their standpoint, they get to sit on a platform and have great deals brought right to them that have all been vetted. They've all had a Cribs representative walk through the house, take pictures, et cetera. And they can bid on the property very confidently and get charged roughly $3,000 to ultimately close on a deal that if they had done it themselves would have easily cost them five to $7,000 just in marketing cost and soft costs going out and visiting the property, et cetera. The single family space, I've only purchased four single family homes. I do apartment community. So right. this isn't my area of expertise, but from the little I know, if I want to sell my house all cash, then first off, cash buyers will likely want some sort of discount. My guess is it doesn't matter what the percentage is, but some sort of discount. So if I'm wanting to sell my house cash, then I'm in a position where I'm going to sell it at some percentage of discount. And if that is the case, the challenge that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is it doesn't seem like you'd have a lot of repeat sellers on the platform. So you'll constantly have to find new sellers because if I'm selling my house all cash for a discount, it's not a really good business model for me. I don't think. So it's not like I'm a big time landlord. I'm probably someone who's a motivated seller. Therefore, I might not be a repeat customer of yours. So how do you plan on growing the side of the business where you've got a lot of cash sellers? Well, you actually have a couple different dynamics working, right? So in order for 35% of the market to be cash buyers right now, cash transactions, roughly $162 billion a year is what this very segmented part of the real estate industry represents today. So in order for you to buy cash, well, somebody has to be selling cash. So largely, that is a problem that we don't have to solve. It's happening right now. What Cribs is doing is providing a way for a seller to have multiple cash offers versus getting locked in with somebody that they saw a bandit sign or they saw a piece of direct mail or a Google ad or whatever the case may be, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of having to go through any of that process, they simply put their property on the platform. And in less than 24 hours, they will have somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from 50 to 100 cash buyers bidding on their property. And we will display to them the top three that they can pick and choose from. They can negotiate directly with 
the buyer and or they can just reject the offer. There's literally no cost and no obligation whatsoever for them. So that's a problem that we don't really have to solve. But even bigger than that, Joe, is the simple fact that if you think about it, we all are hearing about the iBuyer phenomenon that has taken the industry by storm. Mm-hmm. So again, just think about it from an agent's perspective. One of the biggest fears you have out there today is that as a listing agent, you are now competing, not only are you competing against other agents for the listing, but you're competing against these iBuyers, Open Door, OfferPad, Knock, whoever it is, coming in and basically trying to sweep this listing out from under your feet. And again, locking into one company. Well, our client, not only it is the direct seller, but it is also the real estate agent who can confidently go into any listing and say, not only can I potentially list your house for retail, right, I can but inside, in, inside, yeah, inside of 24 hours, I can have three cash offers for you right here and at no obligation. So our go-to-market strategy, as you're kind of outlining, is the simple fact that we are solving a big problem for multiple people, not only direct sellers, but also real estate agents that are just trying to figure out how to compete. And we're offering a really good solution for that. Got it. On the first point, I understood how the sellers benefit. I just didn't know how you'd continue to get new sellers to yeah, come I mean, back they, because they, your your repeat customer would probably be low. But I get it now with the second part you mentioned with the real estate yeah, agent the eight, because – the agents are having to do it today, yeah. right? If they don't do it, quite frankly, they're a dinosaur. It's right. not a matter of if they're going to lose. It's just a matter of when. So we're providing a really good solution for them to compete very competitively in real time. Cool. When is Cribs available in, I think you said Phoenix? Going to Phoenix on September 24th, and then it'll roll out to Las Vegas, Atlanta, and then Dallas. And then by the end of the year, we will go nationwide. We've got some things to prove in three or four pretty challenging markets. So we're stress testing our systems to make sure we've got it all lined up. And then the plan is to roll it out nationwide. How'd you pick those markets? They are good markets where there's a lot of competition from a cash buyer. In my real estate worldwide business, we aggregate a great deal of data. One of the software products we provide to the industry that has 15,000 subscribers now is a data product where we mine a lot of data and provide seller leads and buyer leads, et cetera. So We have this 10,000 foot view where we can see where most of the cash transactions are happening, markets that are ultra competitive where we can provide a lot of value. And so those are the first four that we can clearly see. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of value we can bring right in there very quickly. And why did you pick Phoenix to start? Well, Phoenix is arguably one of the most competitive markets out there right now with cash buyers. Roughly 40% of the market is being done with cash. All of the major iBuyers are in Phoenix, including Zillow. And ironically, we are not a competitor of the iBuyers. We are somebody that provides value to them as well. They want the inventory. They want to buy as much as they can. So we're very agnostic. We kind of play in between. So being able to know that we have a lot of buyers, a lot of demand on one side, while we can also create a lot of supply on the other side, is a very good place for Cribs to play. And Phoenix represents that in a very big way. What one mistake that you've made was a big pivot for you that then you are where you're at now? Well, we probably touched on it a little bit the last time we spoke. The single biggest mistake I ever made in business, quite frankly, is focusing on business versus family. And I know that may not be exactly where we want to take this, but you've asked the question, so I'll answer it very directly. At the end of the day, when I was a young entrepreneur from 17 to 30, I was consumed with business. I believe that I was that hustler, right? We all see it on social media. We say all the the BS that's out there about go, 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 go at the expense of all. Well, I was that guy. I wore it as a badge of honor to sit there and be the guy that was the first one in the office at 5 a.m. and the last one to leave at 10 p.m. That was 
by far the thing I lived for. And I loved being that guy. And without question, without hesitation, without doubt, the single biggest regret and or mistake that I have. I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what not to do. I was very, very successful at that. I built an almost $2 billion a year company by the time I was 30 years old. Seventh largest privately held company in the state of Florida. But I did it at the expense of family, did it at the expense of friends, did it at the expense of a life, quite frankly. And luckily, I got a second lease on life and figured out that you can actually do both, that there is a way to go out and create passive income, which I know you are a huge proponent of. There is a way to go out there and build the business with the end in mind. There is a way to kind of build the legacy and to have everything without having to sacrifice everything along the way. So I would tell you that for your listeners, when you're out there, when you're young and you're getting into the business, yes, you have to hustle. Yes, you have to go. Yes, you have to sacrifice. But at some point that the tables start to turn and you start to realize that life is a lot bigger than a P&L or a checking account or a car or a watch or a vacation. It's more about the people that you're impacting and the legacy that you leave and do you matter and creating something where I've said this many, many times that today, as I've gotten older and as I've built many, many successful companies now, the pendulum starts to swing and you start to understand that, man, this is going to sound a little morbid, but it's actually what I think about. Who's going to show up at my funeral? Who's going to show up and say, dude, that guy mattered. That guy actually made a difference in my life. That guy actually provided value to me and my family that, that I'm never going to have to worry about how to make a buck. He taught me the lessons. He taught me the skills. He gave me the things in my life that actually helped me get to the next level. That to me is much more fulfilling and much more about what life is really about than the P&L. And ironically, when I made that shift, which I made that shift when I was about 40. How old are you now? I'm 49 now. Okay, so nine years ago, you made the shift. Made that hard shift and really kind of hit me hard. And when I made that shift, then here's the craziest part about it. When I stopped focusing on the money part and started focusing on the actual providing value to people and really trying to create an impact in the life, the money only multiplied. I'm much more successful now than I've ever been at any point in my life, by far, by every measure, not the money. The money is there, the family, the commitment to my children, the commitment to my wife, all of that, every aspect of my life was better versus 20 years ago. And all I cared about was money, 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 right? Business, business, business. I just wanted to prove something to everybody. I had a big chip on my shoulder and it got me to a point, but it never got me to the point where I am today. If that makes sense. So can you elaborate and maybe give a specific example of what providing value to people when you're like, all right, you know what? It's worked to a point, but I'm not fulfilled. I'm going to really provide sure. value to people. So how did that? Yeah, so I'll give you a great example of this. So back in 2008, when the market was shifting and Memphis Invest, and we were very focused on working directly with cash buyers and the timing just worked out to be perfect. We were mining data. We were going to public record, finding people. And the way we were doing this back then was very manual. We were going into public record and looking for all the recent transactions that had just happened. And then we were also balancing up against those transactions where a mortgage or a lien had been recorded at the time of deed transfer. So we would deduct, say, okay, well, a lien wasn't recorded, a mortgage wasn't recorded, a promissory note wasn't recorded. Then that transaction was cash. And we would take those people and we'd really focus all of our marketing to that person to nurture them and bring them over to where they would buy properties from us. And that worked beautifully 
in our investing business. It's part of the reason why Memphis Investing became so successful. So we were really marketing hard to these people. And I shared it with a few people. Dan Merrill, Fortune Builders. Everybody knows Dan Merrill. I was very, very close. And, and at that time, he was like, man, you have to tell other people what you're doing. The banks aren't lending anymore. People are going out of business. You have to share this. And I was petrified of doing that. I had that big scarcity mentality. Oh my God, I'm going to share with people how I go and create my customer list. I'm effectively telling people how to go find all of my customers right now. And he convinced me to do that. And that was a really scary proposition, not only for me, but everybody around me. But we built a piece of software that did that and went off and basically pulled all of that data from every county, everywhere in the United States and said, here are all of the people in your market currently paying cash. You do not have to go out of business. You don't need banks. These are the people, these are the ravenous buyers in your market right now, just market to them. In fact, we will actually give you the marketing piece that we use at Memphis Invest, the very letter we use right now to get them to start dealing with you so you don't have to go out of business. That was an extraordinarily challenging thing to overcome, as you can imagine. We were basically not only giving people our customer list, effectively, here's all the cash buyers in every market, including our own market, but here's all the marketing that we use to get them to do business with us. You can see in all of our data, every property that we've been selling to these cash buyers. Can you imagine going to your competition right now and saying, here's my customer list and here's my training manual and just go do it. That was very, very, very challenging to overcome. But in the end, two things happened. One, we became, in a lot of people's minds, heroes to helping them and getting them out of this very desperate situation. And ultimately, that's what kind of pushed us to the forefront where people believe that we were out there for the greater good, which we were. And ultimately, it also made Memphis Invest and our family much, much better because it made us sharpen our skills because we clearly knew that our competition had everything. They had all the information they needed to beat us. And in spite of it, we were still not only competitive, but we were thriving and ultimately excelling and doing much better than all of them made us be better as well. And so as the saying goes, a rising tide raises all ships. I wasn't necessarily a believer of it at that point, but Mm -hmm. ultimately that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I get it. Theo on my team does syndication school. We share the blueprint for how to do apartment syndication and how we raise capital and people are very appreciative of it. And a lot of times they're like, dude, why are you sharing all this stuff? It's like, you know what? World of abundance. Amen, buddy. Things work out. That's what it is. And again, it's hard to make that first domino fall, if you will. But when it falls, it's shocking how much all comes around in the end. What's a recent mistake you've made? A recent mistake I've made in business. We make a lot of mistakes. I just kind of say that. We make a lot of bad hires. We take a lot of risk in my businesses. I think that, that that's inherent that if you're going to be successful, you got to be willing to push in on a lot of things a lot of times, and a lot of them don't work out, quite frankly. One of the mistakes we've certainly made is that a couple of years ago, we thought we could go in and basically redo search engine marketing. We hired a company to build a platform where we could go off and, and build a website that was very, very robust and we, that we could license it off to a lot of different people and really get good at search engine marketing. We surrounded ourselves with what we believed were all the best people, and in the end, None of that played out the way we wanted it to be. It was a multi-million dollar, I don't want to say it was a mistake, but it was certainly a multi-million dollar lesson that just didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. But it is what it is. I think that if you're not willing to push all in on stuff and you're not willing to challenge yourself and push outside of your comfort zone, then that's a very, very limited world. 
it's hard to become the best version of yourself or the best version of your company if you're not willing to push those boundaries. So we make a lot of mistakes that don't cost us millions of dollars, but that's one that I will tell you in the last couple of years cost us multiples of millions of dollars in getting it out there, licensing the brand, licensing the opportunity to a lot of different people, generated a lot of leads, but nowhere near what we believed that we could at the time. And so ultimately we ended up having to shut that business down. Anything else that you think we should talk about as it relates to lessons learned and mistakes that we haven't already before we wrap up? I would just say this lessons learned would be that I had a mentor tell me a long time ago that there's only one way to coast and that's downhill. You're not pedaling. <laughs> if you're not going uphill, then you're going in the wrong direction. And I think about that all the time. So I think that, that the lessons that we've learned, the mistakes we made are just that. It's a part of the process. And I appreciate you asking the question. I appreciate you really putting that out there for people. It's a valuable part of the journey that when you're going into a business and you're trying to make something happen, that you have to structure failure, structure lessons correctly, that it is not about losing. It's about just learning the lesson and moving on. And that's the biggest thing. You have to do it. It is a part of the process, period. Mm-hmm. I like that. There's only one way to coast and that's downhill. I like that, I like that a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I didn't appreciate it when he shared it with me when I was 25, but now, right. you know, 25 years later, I, I get it. I get it completely. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking it's true, just thinking through it even more, because when you're going downhill and you're coasting, you don't have to pedal. And then even as the hill flattens out, you can still coast a little bit, but ultimately you're going to come to a stop. That's right. And that's so true. Yeah, that's not what you want. <laughs> no, right. no, that's, that's not that what any of us want, baby. You got, you got to be pedaling. You got to be trying yeah. to find the new hill to climb because if you're not, then you're just going in the wrong direction. It's that simple. And it, it sounds very straightforward and simple because it is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Well, Kent, thank you for being on the show. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Yeah. I'm easy to find on social media, man. Just go to Facebook and look up Kent Clothier or go to Instagram, find me on Kent Clothier, or you can also go to kentclothier.com or even visit cribs.com, which is K-R-I-B-B-Z.com. K-R-I-B-B-Z. You got it. Cool. Well, Kent, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, brother. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.